Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, January 24th, 2017, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We have two trips to Arkansas coming up, one in March for the spring equinox, which is Athena's birthday, and the other in May for Pleiadian lineup. This starseed gathering is a soul family reunion, and eligibility requires having at least one star marking at galactic degree, which is 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign. This is a new four-day event redesigned to bring all star seeds to their next level of activation. If you feel the call of the crystals and a desire to reunite, reunite with your star seed family, you can register for either our spring equinox Athena's birthday gathering, which is March 17th through the 20th, or the next one, which is just about full right now, for Pleiadian lineup in May, which is the 19th through the 22nd. And write to crystals, that is plural, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S, at starseedhotline.com. Our guest this evening is Jim Graypeck, and he is a Renaissance kind of man. In order to design an immersive next-generation facility that can help people rejuvenate, recontextualize their lives, align more closely with their purpose, and rediscover the richness of the human experience, you need to cover a lot of ground. This week's guest, Jim Graypeck, covers a lot of ground, ground that is being reflected in his startup, The Pavilion, a stunning 21st century lifestyle center delivering the best that science and humanity has to offer to enable people to live healthier, happier, and richer lives. Part of Jim's mission is to develop a better way to practice health care in part based around the ability of the latest bioresonance feedback devices and genomics testing to assess health stressors before they become symptomatic. Along with his medical partner, Dr. Mark McClure of National Integrated Health Associates, one of the largest integrative practices on the East Coast, will be introducing version 1.0 of American New Medicine into their practice next month. Jim's skills include restaurant operator, award-winning producer, certified biofeedback practitioner, black belt martial arts practitioner, and metaphysician with advanced biogeometry skills. Sorry about that. Jim says he is driven by his inner voice and passion, though he adds that a daylight UFO encounter as a teen might also have something to do with it. Jim earned his master's in business from Cornell's renowned hotel school and is always on the lookout for like-minded partners to help take the pavilion to the next level. Well, our dear Vanya is in a blizzard tonight, so tonight we'd like to thank Tammy and Fiona and a new addition to our staff, Jada, for stepping up to help on the switchboard tonight for those who may have a comment or question for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. 
You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice so you know what's coming up. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And for those who need healing of any kind, for yourself, for your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will help. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you would like an interpretation of that chart, please order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So uh, first off this evening, we are going to have Anastasia's Starseed News in just a second here. Okay, mic is open. Hello, Anastasia. Hello, Ariel. Good evening, Lavendar and everyone. It's great to be with you. We have lots of news to cover, so I best get to it. Well, uh, we'll start with the sun, and I will tell you that that magnetic field of sunspot AR2628 has decayed, according to spaceweather.com. They say it no longer poses a a threat for strong solar flares. And NASA's Cassini spacecraft captures uh, Saturn's wave-maker moon. They say like never before. They took some pictures of it. The Cassini spacecraft has captured the closest ever view of Saturn's small little wave maker moon called Daphnis. That's a pretty name for it. It's allowing astronomers <laughs> to observe the new details up close. Now, Daphnis is about five miles in diameter. Just imagine that. And it orbits Saturn within the A-ring, which is the outermost of the large bright rings of Saturn. Just imagine that for a minute. Let your mind take you there to the rings of Saturn and this little tiny moon five miles in diameter orbiting that enormous planet. That is such a vision in my mind. What a beautiful thing. Daphnis, sweet. Well, anyway, here's an interesting story out of space weather as well. Uh, They have done a study that shows that radiation clouds are discovered at aviation altitudes. Do you guys fly a lot? Do you travel by air? Well, a new study published in the peer-reviewed journal uh, Space Weather reports the discovery of radiation clouds at aviation altitudes, which means this. When airplanes fly through these clouds, dose rates of cosmic radiation normally absorbed by air, air travelers can double or even get higher than that. Uh, Radiation sensors on board 264 research flights uh, at altitudes as high as 56,000 feet from 2013 to 2017 showed that on some occasions sensors recorded surges in ionizing, ionizing radiation within localized clouds. Now, the fact that air travelers absorb radiation is really not news, not big news, is pretty well known, but researchers have long known that cosmic rays crashing into Earth's atmosphere create a spray of secondary particles such as neutrons, protons, electrons, X-rays, and gamma rays that penetrate the aircraft. Well, 100,000-mile frequent flyers absorb as much radiation as 20 chest X-rays. And even a single flight across the United States can expose a traveler to more radiation than a dental x-ray. 
Well, now, conventional wisdom has been saying that those dose rates should vary smoothly with latitude, but researchers, according to this article, found something quite different. They say sometimes dose rates skyrocket for no apparent reason, and researchers have been very surprised by these findings. So, is it safe? Well, it might not be. And so they are looking into that a little bit further. And as a side note, just from me and the studies that I've been doing, uh, cosmic radiation is on the uptick by a considerable amount. So there may be some um, space uh, influences, cosmic influences that are increasing that radiation picked up uh, at these altitudes above the planet. So keep that in mind. They really don't really know what's causing that. Well, we've had some wild weather across the planet, let me tell you. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> we've got a snowstorm going on. She couldn't get on the air tonight, so it's happening in a lot of places. So uh, there's been heavy rainfall that hit California, Arizona. Um, in fact, dangerous flooding occurred because of this rainfall to parts of Southern California and Arizona. And in some areas, people were trapped and they had to be rescued. Now, near Phoenix, uh, firefighters from several agencies worked together to save two men who were trapped in a wash. Now, each of these two men was lifted separately out, but the, uh, out of their vehicles that got stuck in rushing waters, but neither were injured. And the Squaw Valley Alpine Meadow Ski Resort in Lake Tahoe has uh, broken the snow record for any month in the 45 years of its existence. Now, I'm from that neck of the woods, and I'll tell you, Squaw Valley, Alpine Meadows, gets a lot of snow. And they've broken the record for any month in 45 years. Well, up to now, the biggest snowfall was 202 inches, which came in March of 2011. Well, so far this January, today's the 24th, 212 inches, and that's more than 17 feet of snow. And until now, the January snowfall average has been only about, only, quote, unquote, 70 inches. So that is wow. a huge increase over what has been the average. That's a lot of snow. Wow. Uh, beast and famine, no water, and then this deluge of water. And we've had a lot of uh, snow all over the planet, but there's ice on the Danu- Danube River in Serbia. Now, ice on the Danube is four meters thick. And they're going to need more icebreaker ships to come in to reopen the river to navigation. Now, that's really important. They, they use that Danube for everything, uh, transportation of products and goods and so on. And so uh, they are stuck in certain parts of the Danube. Nobody's going anywhere they, because of the ice. And they say that uh, it's not over yet. They're expecting uh, more severe weather and ice to increase in thickness. And wow. a vicious tornado ripped through Hattiesburg in Mississippi, killed at least four people, and caused widespread structural damage. Now, in my uh, where I'm living now, a little north of there, uh, it was warm, very, very warm, like spring. It was almost short-sleeve weather. And whenever it gets like that in the dead of winter, you know that somebody south of that line uh, where the cold front hits the warm front, they are going to be in trouble, and this is what happened just a couple days ago. Now, the tornado prompted the mayor of that town to sign an emergency declaration as dozens of firefighters are continuing or were continuing to search for casualties from that storm. They said that homes and buildings were decimated, trees were uprooted, vehicles flipped over, and that tornado caused damage across a three-county area. 
And in Colorado, all of you that live out there, did you feel it? There was a series of eight earthquakes, excuse me, eight earthquakes that rocked the mountains in Pitkin and Gunnison County Thursday night, that was last week, according to the USGS. And a number of them, which is interesting about this, were in close proximity to one another. They were at similar depths also of about three miles. Eight earthquakes in two counties. Wow. Mm-hmm. One night. And in the Solomon Islands, this occurred on the 19th, a few days ago, five days ago or so, an earthquake that measured 6.8 on the Richter scale struck west of the Solomon Islands. This is according to the USGS, where we get all of this information. Now, no tsunami warning was issued, uh, but just two days ago, um, Sunday, a major earthquake, major that had a preliminary magnitude of 8.0, struck a, an area of Bougainville Island in the Solomon Islands, which did prompt a tsunami alert for both the islands and the wider region. Only a few de- details were available at that time. I don't know what it is currently. Now, the um, preliminary magnitude, according to the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center, was 8.4. And oh it was a gosh. deep quake at 104 miles. And the USGS said it was 8.0, so that's how they're reporting it at 8.0. So that affected Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, and surrounding areas. So uh, two days before, we had the 6.8 around the Solomon Islands and then the 8.0 that happened just two days later. That ring of fire is cooking. And in, in Italy, check this out. Uh, there were up to 30 people that were feared dead as an Italian hotel was buried by an avalanche after four earthquakes hit the region. Four. A series of four earthquakes. We're having a lot of these swarms. And the people in this uh, Italian ski hotel were buried under an avalanche caused by these earthquakes. Now, rescue teams uh, uh, yesterday were still battling to access that hotel in the little town of Pescara, which was hit by heavy snowfall, you know, when there's a lot of heavy snowfall, there's avalanche danger and the quakes that cut that snow loose. So they said about, you know, 30, 30 people now, they, they're still taking account. Now, these quakes uh, uh, that happened, uh, let's see, in August, do you remember me talking about that? Devastated that mountain town of Amatrice. Now, this is nearby to where this uh, this recent one yesterday, or actually it was on, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Quake happened yesterday. Uh, so they had that devastating earthquake in August that left nearly 300 people dead, and then yesterday this this other earthquake, uh, four in a series. So Mediterranean is also having its share of earthquake problems. And in Spain, well, authorities are telling us that some 2,000 people were trapped in vehicles as heavy snowfall cut off several roads in eastern Spain. And they called in the army to distribute blankets and hot drinks to hundreds of people who were trapped on a highway that linked Madrid to the coastal city of Valencia and on other roads in that same region. And train services were interrupted. They said that heavy snowfall and rainstorms both have hit many parts of Spain this past week with uh, some eastern uh, tourist towns reporting their first snow in decades. And guess where else there was snow? The Sahara Desert. That's right. Reports are that there is one meter of snow covering the sand in the small Saharan town, uh, desert town of Ain Sefra. Now, the town saw a sprinkling of snow just before Christmas. 
but that is the first snow. Uh, it's, it started snowing just before Christmas, but that was the first snow on these red sand dunes of the world's hottest desert for the first time in 37 years. Wild. And uh, Mexico's Colima volcano is at it again. There was a fiery eruption a few days ago of the Colima uh, volcano. Uh, talk about it just about every week because it's it's been cooking for a while now. But the uh, volcano shot ash and smoke over 6,500 feet into the air. could be heard 50 miles away, officials said. That is a 12,000-foot mountain. It's the third major eruption this year. Now, the mountain is one of 14 active volcanoes in Mexico. It's 300 miles west of Mexico City. Mexico has 14 active volcanoes. I'm not done with snow yet, though. I'm not done talking about snow. <laughs> New Zealand's <laughs> New Zealand's alpine region. Now, this is summer, by the way, everybody. In New Zealand, it's summer down there. Okay? Uh, that's right. And guests at an alpine resort in summer in New Zealand woke up to a winter surprise. Light snow began falling uh, Saturday afternoon over the weekend, and the snowfall turned heavy. It left a a 30-centimeter base of snow on the ground in the middle of summer in New Zealand. Okay, well, that's an idea of kind of snow that's going on out there all over the place. In places it shouldn't. Um. This is an interesting story that I wanted to pass along because, you know, kind of if you've listened to me long enough, my stance on cell phones and all that stuff. Well, um, this is titled, uh, Something Rotten in Denmark. Question mark. Why have the rates of brain tumors doubled in Denmark? Yeah, they've doubled. Since 1990, brain tumors and tumors of the central nervous system have more than doubled, according to a report by the Swedish Radiation Protection Foundation, which they published this month, uh, this year, actually just four days ago. Now, the number of patients, they say, is on a steady increase since 2004 to 2005. That appears to be coincidental with the increase of smart technology, which, of course, uses microwaves to implement instant access and networks. Now, in 1990, way back then, the rate of cancer was 827 patients, whereas in 2015, it more than doubled to over 1,800 patients. And they say that the rise of malignant and non-cancerous tumors, both, is happening in younger patients who are more likely to be using smart technology and gadgets such as iPhones and Wi-Fi at school or work. Now, you know, this is something that we're never going to get rid of because people are never going to stop using that. But one has to wonder, a generation away, after all of these young children using this day in, day out from the time they can walk, what the next generation will hold for uh, neurological diseases from exposure to these microwaves. Well... We're going to get everybody some GMO pineapples. Yum, yum. Yes, we are. <laughs> GMO pineapples. Um, you know, more and more people are finally becoming aware of the uh, history and the problems with genetically engineered foods. But uh, most still don't realize that the FDA, the FDA doesn't really do a lot of safety testing on GMO foods. And I'm probably being kind when I put it that way. 
Well, we have a forthcoming GMO pineapple, and the FDA has said that Del Monte's proposed creation is safe, but they base that solely on the information submitted by Del Monte. <laughs> there is a distinct lack of information on long-term potential effects, naturally. Now, the new GMO pineapple has been given a rubber stamp, and it could be headed to your store shelves. And honestly, you want to take a bet? Do you think it will say GMO pineapple on it? I just don't know. I just don't know what we're going to do. You, I guess we have to trust grocers to get us stuff that, that is uh, healthy. I don't know. But that's another problem. You know, it started out with apples, and then, gosh, it went to this and that. I don't know. I can't even list them all. And... I sort of narrowed it down. Okay, you know, potatoes are GMO, and <clears throat> you look at what might be GMO that you're looking at, and sort of pared back some of my selections based on, you know, what I knew. Corn definitely is GMO. So makes you buy organic and makes you buy packages that say non GMO and so forth. You can't always find that, but it seems as though it's just invading every aspect of our lives. And isn't that how things get in? Little tiny crack, and then the door's wide open, and then the walls are knocked down, and then... <laughs> well, I laugh because I know I'm getting excited. But um, it really is a sobering thing. Leave our fruits and vegetables alone, oh please, oh please. And you know, our ancestors didn't get pineapple. I mean, Americans, you know, those living here in the United States, or maybe... Maybe living in Europe, they didn't have access to pineapples. And so I suppose if it has to come to it, maybe we could live without the things that we don't need and maybe uh, um, get our groceries, our produce from local growers or grow our own. It appears that those kinds of choices are going to be forced upon us in the future. Okay, enough about that. And, you know, we could write letters to Del Monte perhaps. Don't know. (laughs) Just a thought. Well, um, you all have heard about Simple Green, that cleaner, you know, called Simple Green. Most of you have probably seen it. Maybe some of you have used it. I remember years ago, I thought, Simple Green, that that must be, you know, safe. It's simple, right? Uh, In the early years when that first came out, I used it until I discovered, uh, not too long after that, well, I'm going to share with you what I discovered. And this comes from Mercola.com. He says that the manufacturers of the green cleaning product called Simple Green uh, claim that it's non-toxic, biodegradable, non-hazardous, non-flammable, and non-corrosive. But did you know that the material data safety sheet for Simple Green reveals that the formula contains, let's see if I can pronounce this, you all, 2-butoxyethanol. (laughs) 2-butoxyethanol. I'm sorry. Anyway, you guys, that's a petrochemical solvent. And this solvent is defined as harmful by the European Union classification system. Now, Environment and Health Canada has recommended that it be added to the Schedule One toxic substances list, and the state of California lists it as a hazardous substance. Now, according to Green Med Info, the chemical's effects include... You, any of you who have ever read Green Med Info, you ought to check that out. Well, they say that the chemicals' effects include, if you inhale it, sore throat, coughing, headache, nausea, shortness of breath. If you touch it, irritation with redness and pain can be absorbed through the skin with systemic effects. Eye contact, vapors are irritating, producing pain, redness and tearing, splashes cause stinging and swelling, chronic exposure can damage liver, kidneys, lymphoid symptoms, blood and blood-forming organs, lymphoid system and blood organs. 
Now, it's thought that this chemical that's in Simple Green contributed to the significantly shorter lifespan of Exxon Valdez cleanup workers because that is the same chemical that's in Corexit 9527 that was also banned in the United Kingdom. So just food for thought. You know, I wanted to pass that along. Simple Green may not, according to some, be non-toxic. So just thought you ought to know. And uh, that's according to uh, Mercola.com. All right. Well, that's going to be it for tonight's Starseed News. I went a little bit over time. There's a lot more, but we're out of time. So we're just going to have to wait till next week. Ariel? Wow. Yes. Thank you so much, Anastasia. My head's still like kind of reeling a little bit, but I uh, want to encourage. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I vote everybody I want to up perhaps a little bit too much. <laughs> Uh, no, it's we need to know because these, especially the places on the earth that are in upheaval, we yes. all as star seeds need to send our compassion and and stabilizing energies to those areas and the Absolutely. people that are being affected by that. So absolutely, uh, my goodness, it's a terrible. Yeah, thing we need for to know where the problems through. are so we know so we know where to send the. Well, the I healing. hope that um, maybe many of our star seed can kind of locate those. Uh, locations in their minds and in their heads they can see it feel it you know they'll be able to zero mm-hmm. in on it and uh put some healing energy there and some comfort and help for absolutely people as well absolutely. well anyway thank you so much my from my heart to yours and to all of you starseed listeners much love and we'll meet again next week you all have a wonderful night it's going to be a good show ariel it sure is thanks so much anastasia we love you keeping us informed and um it's very helpful. So thank you. So uh, let's see. Right now we are going to – I've got switchboards kind of full tonight, so let me find – there's Lavendar. Let me get your mic open, and let me get uh, Jim's mic open, and then you can take it away. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Very exciting. And I have all kinds of comments already on what I've heard, so – <laughs> well, Lavendar, I'll let you take the lead here and uh, take it away. All right. Well, Jim, welcome. You've been a friend of mine for many, many years, and we've we've done a lot of um, traveling together, and we worked on several projects over the years. But I'm really, really thrilled that, to have you on our show so that you can tell our audience about your latest project. But first, let me ask you, just tell us how you got started with all this and what brought you to this point. Um, before I do that, can I comment on one or two of the things that we just heard in the news? Sure. Okay. Uh, because it's, it's relevant. Okay. Uh, cell phones, brain cancer, the GMO, rubber stamp, rubber duck, whatever that was. Um, I. The good news is there are solutions to all of these things. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But that's been my job the past, uh, I don't know, you know, since, since I've known you and made a lot of progress in recent years to be able to uh, find these solutions, actually a whole new body of science that we'll talk about that enables, that can enable each of us to negate any of the harmful effects of our cell phones, of wireless technologies, to uh, the GMOs, everything. And not only that, but with minor tweaks, let's say, in the um, cell phone transmission itself, 
they can support health rather than harm, you know, having adverse harm, uh, harmful effects at the moment. So there's a lot of things um, that I hope to bring forward through these pavilions, through classes, through talks I'm giving now and, and, and with you right now tonight. So we'll get into that. And, um, yeah, there is good news. That's what good. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Well, it, that's the whole point. Okay, good. So, so what brought you to this point? How did you start with all this? I know you had a, a UFO sighting that changed your world, so start there. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's funny because the UFO sighting came when I was a teenager. I was camping with a bunch of people up in Vermont. I daytime. It was a beautiful day up, um, and, and we saw uh, a, a ship of some sort over the lake near us, and it moved like a water bug, like it would just sit there, no sound, no no engines or anything visible in terms of propulsion, and then it would move on a dime, like boom. It was you know, 500 yards away, it would stop, sit there. And it, it did that a couple of times. And then it just jetted off into space in the, in the blink of an eye. And at the time, I just thought, oh, okay, you know, I guess they exist. Cool. Well, we'll just have to figure out the propulsion. It's just other technology. Not knowing, you know, a lot of people knew these existed and there was, let's just say, some cover-ups and so forth. But that... Um, got me excited and I, I think somewhere in the back of my mind that I decided I'm going to be a uh, I'm going to be a physicist. I want to get into how this reality works, how science works, how these systems work and I'll help work on these propulsion systems and get us to the stars. Um, I got into Syracuse and theoretical physics. There were three kids in my program. And uh, needless to say, <laughs> that was a really challenging year. Because I, I found out I really was not a math major. And uh, by the end of uh, uh, year one, I decided, you know, I'm going to hire a physicist instead. I'll go into communications because that appealed to me also. And um, that's kind of the route I took. <coughs> and I graduated in communications, which having been a – I'm still a producer, so, so that really worked out nicely. Um, Traveled through Europe for a while. It was my first trip with a girlfriend and all of the different cultures, meeting everybody, the different foods and customs just opened my, you know, blew open my mind. I said, wow, everybody, you know, back home where people should do a semester abroad or get a chance to travel because it just really opens you up to a lot of, a lot of new things and connects, it connected me with people. So I came back and I decided maybe I don't want to go into communications or I can use that, but uh, I want to go into the hospitality industry. I want to be able to connect people, you know, break bread with people, share that, share, bring the world together, bridge the world through food and customs and that sort of thing, hospitality. And so um, I applied to Cornell's hotel school. They actually had a, a, a master's program, uh, and it's part of their business school. It was a couple of years old. Very limited. Like, they take 35 students. They were taking 35 students at the time, a year or a semester. And I did not have the, the, the graduate exams, whatever they were. Uh, I didn't have some of the re requirements. 
But, you know, I went up there, and I think this is a good message to people. <laughs> I, I went up there, and I, I, um, I, I brought cookies to the dean's office. I talked to people. You know, I kind of got myself known in the admissions group and so forth. And they helped me to finesse whatever I needed to finesse to actually get into the program. So um, just because somebody says no or you didn't do this, you didn't do that, uh, and, it, and it worked out. Very challenging program, but wonderful. I mean, it really teaches you to be an entrepreneur. And um, got out of there and uh, actually ran hospital feeding hotels, uh, eventually the fine dining um, at the Kennedy Center restaurant, the Kennedy Center in Washington for the performing arts. So uh, that's kind of my background. Well, when I met you and we worked together, you were a producer of movies. You had done Secrets of the Warrior Power, and you were working on the Revolution IMAX film about motorcycling, which I remember was was your take on Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. So how did you go from restaurants to producing? Um, Good question. Uh, The short answer is I was taking care of Clint Eastwood (laughs) and his party one night, and I said, damn, I should be sitting with these people, not, you know, not serving them. But, um, no, actually what happened was, that was part of it. Uh, I, was, I was brought up without, uh, my, my parents, basically all we were allowed to watch was public television, and they did limit my TV time. And, of course, uh, these days, and for the last, you know, uh, several decades, of course, television has been very influential in our culture, and I would say the quality and what we see and what it's promoting, the violence and, uh, and so on, has been the commercials. Uh, I saw it as, as, driving, uh, as a driving force in the downhill slide of our culture. Some people joke we don't even have any culture here in America. But I just saw that it was uh, contributing to it, but I also saw the power of television and thought that, you know, I'd like to contribute to making things better. And I think using this medium would be a really smart way to go. Um, I was trying to get into uh, working with the developing properties. Nothing was opening up. That was in New York city. And so I basically volunteered at a public TV station while I was at the Kennedy center. And uh, I had a good management background, good, good business and marketing background. And so I started putting my resume out there to uh, video production, video and film production companies to go in to them from the management side. I figured if I could get my foot in the door, I could then learn producing, you know, one step at a time. And sure enough, somebody brought me in as a general manager. And one of our producers there was uh, also a, um, an instructor in television production. So I would hang out with him whenever I could and learn whatever I could and eventually um, became a producer. I mean, started doing my own producing and directing. You know, it's interesting. Marketing is a good field, really, that puts you in touch with all aspects of a project. So if I'm going to talk, when I was out talking to, um, or as a general manager, you're talking to potential clients. They're asking, what do I need for the show? Here's what I want to do. Here are my goals. I have to meet with the producers and go be able to go back to the client 
and suggest things. Do you want animation or what's your budget? You know, yada, yada. And so all of that gave me really good experience in helping develop programs and then learning about it. And I did start taking some classes and eventually, oh, I should say, I picked up a camera and um, uh, started doing uh, some weddings, wedding videos, because I had editing equipment at the studio and everything. And I thought, okay, this is a good way to get my hands wet. As I was saying, telling someone, you know, you can't have them, you have to get it right. You can't tell the bride and groom, oh, you know, cut, let's do it again. Could you go back down the aisle? It doesn't, doesn't really cut it. So, uh, yeah, I definitely had a couple of, of uh, moments but I learned quickly and uh, actually ended up doing White House videos and some movie stars. So, but, but yes, then Discovery Channel. And in time, um, I had a lot of Washington, Washington clients um, in the health industry. It just kind of gravitated that way. I could also say UFO or ET clients, which is true. I can get to that. But I did a lot of health stuff for like NIH and CDC um, I did things on ad- substance abuse and addiction. So a lot in the health field for conventional medicine, as well as I was getting a lot of calls uh, to work in alternative medicine, programs in acupuncture, uh, uh, technologies and therapies that were being used in Europe, which was really interesting because that's, that was a, one of the big um, driving forces for me when I was seeing uh, modalities and technologies and learning more about how healing was taking place in other countries or with acupuncture that my doctor said was, you know, BS or poo-pooed it. Um, and I started thinking, wait a minute, you know, we're like really behind the eight ball here, like, or not behind the eight ball, whatever it is. We're, we're not getting the right information to our uh, to Americans, we're not even getting the the doctors aren't even getting the right information based on what I'm seeing. Um, so that's that was some of the impetus, really. Uh, my experience interviewing and working with a lot of these doctors, a lot of the uh, people on both sides of the fence, to bring the best of everything together, which we call integrated medicine today, into a center that was accessible to people. Um, well, anyway, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but that's. Yeah, that's how I, I moved from filmmaking to uh, production. And I will say, I mean, last year, just to, in case any questions come up, uh, I still do a lot of um, uh, production. And I was doing some uh, medical conferences on homeoprophylaxis, which is an alternative to vaccination. I mean, it's another way to immunize your system against uh, flu or or measles or whatever you want, that's completely safe. It educates the immune system. Uh, blew me away when I learned about it. I was very impressed. And now I, uh, I do some volunteer pro bono work also in that area, helping uh, get that information out to people. I've some of it on my YouTube page, by the way. Oh, well, good. That's yeah, great yeah. to know. Well, I, I want to know a little bit more about what happened with your IMAX film. I know that Dr. William Teller from Arizona really um uh, came up with conscious acts of creation that really put you on the, on a on a the trail of finding yeah, certain things yeah, that you did. needed to know for your film. He did. Um I'll start with him briefly. I got a call 
uh, years ago uh, from his son, which was, uh, who was a friend of mine, about this talk where uh, Bill Tiller was going to be out there talking about conscious acts of creation. Um, really a whole expansion of physics, how human beings can affect physical reality. And I was, I said, wow, you got to, you know, get me, a, I want a copy of it, the tape when it's done. <laughs> he said, oh, no, we're not taping it. I, I, come on, you're kidding me. Okay, I'm getting on a plane. I'm coming out there, which is what I did. You know, I, I got on a plane, brought my equipment, and went out to tape this four-hour talk by this uh, world-famous physicist who's also a um, uh, prof- uh, Stanford uh, uh, professor uh, emeritus at Stanford, very smart guy. And what he said, what I learned in that lecture, and I'll, I'll boil it down to a few sentences, just blew me away. He had been doing experiments with a group of meditators, just four people who were trained in meditation, who would sit down and put uh, an intention. Let's say they, they did a couple of experiments. One was to raise the pH of water. So, excuse me, all they would do is put that intention into like a little magnetic hard drive that was sitting in, in a box in front of them. They would focus on it. They do it for 15 minutes, no more. And then they would take the hard drive. These people are this magnetic device, whatever it was, put it in a Faraday cage, move it to another city and put it in a room with water, you know, water and beakers that they would measure And sure enough, over a period of time, let's say their intention was to raise the pH of water by a factor of one, over a period of time, all the water went up by a factor of one. So instead of like 7.1, it was 8.1, which we live and die in in a range of one pH uh, within that range. So it's a big deal. And so just their thoughts, 15 minutes to focus it and then move this, they were able to create something that kept performing work. They were able to do this for a living, uh, a living system. They wanted fruit flies to grow faster, to gestate faster. Um, and so that's what the intention, we want fruit flies to grow faster, whatever, whatever they're using it for. And they took that box again, just a, a box with the intention imprinted on it. They went to a, uh, another lab where they had fruit flies and the babies, you know, like uh, hatched 25% faster. It was uh, incredible. Well, actually they hatched more than that, like 30% faster, but it turned out a lot of them died. So they, what they had to do was ratchet back a little bit and add something to that intention. We want them to grow faster, but only as fast as what is safe for them. You understand? So then the fruit flies all grew much quicker and they were all healthy. And they did that with an experiment, a classic experiment. I don't remember the chemicals, but typically if you add, you know, one part this and one part that, here's what you get out of it. And this is big in manufacturing. By just focusing on that little box and putting it where the, che- where the chemical reaction was taking place, they totally switched the, the uh, instead of 50-50, it became 60-40. And, and, peop- and he was telling us, wow, look at all the money that could save, or look how this could work in neonatal wards, right? Just having meditators focusing together on this, some people with a little training in what he called inner self-management, 
um, yeah, that totally changed my world. And so I was working on the Revolution film, or maybe that was right around that time, uh, or uh, yes. And I said, I get it. I get it. The solution for our world, basically, is is in science. It's in this quantum physics. We can all start using, affecting our physical reality uh, by, you know, learning to um, focus our intentions, training ourselves a little bit, and a lot of things can change. So that's how uh, I got I got pretty excited with that. And it, I also started. Uh, I had filmed Nassim Haramein. I'm sure you you or some of your listeners have heard of him. Um, uh, there are a few others, Claude Swanson. I was following, and uh, so all of this plays into it. I mean, the observer effect, which essentially is about resonance. Whatever we look at, just like the experiment, we have an effect on. We're connecting with that with, with that object or item, and our thoughts, our intentions affect that reality. And I like to uh, quote Wayne Dyer. He says, "Just change, and how it comes into us is just change the way you look at the world, and the world around you will change. Right yeah. now, it's not a. <laughs> sometimes some people are really gifted, and it's instant. I mean, now uh, I've noticed Alexi and I. Actually, a bunch of my friends have noticed manifesting things is much quicker. You're thinking, "Oh God, I wish this would happen," and wow, the phone rings the next day, and it happens. So we're, you know, clearly we're in an accelerated period. I think we all know that, and uh, really by able to. Being able to put it out there, especially to, to people who are not familiar with this. I'd say most of the, the public is really not familiar with the observer effect. And if they are, they wouldn't understand how it would really apply to their lives. How kids could start using it, you know, or young people, because they're the ones that need to step up and, and run things, you know, and, and help, you know, live in harmony with this world. And giving them more tools and better tools is really um, is going to be the key. And this is a huge key because we can all sit down separately or together and make things happen just with our minds, our, our thoughts, our emotions. Um, but sometimes it's also a slow process. Uh, and depending on your size of your vision, like maybe if it's pavilion size, <laughs> it might take five or 10 years or your film or whatever it is to manifest. And you just put one foot in front of the other and you keep going, you know, and, and it's a great ride. I mean, you'll just, you'll get there. So well, did I cover just, that? that brings us to the place where I wanted you to talk about the pavilion and all the things that you're trying to do to bring that about. It's going to be kind of like an Epcot center, isn't it? Kind of an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Yes, that's. I think that's a nice way to put it. I, I, I kind of think Disney really wanted to do this. Uh, Walt wanted to do something like this. But um, I think by the time he passed away and other people were involved, uh, it really wasn't so much a prototype community of tomorrow, but more of a an attraction, as we know. Um, but I like the idea. I like the idea... Uh, Disney's marketing and the coolness effect. I mean, 
for me, I, well, not just me, obviously a lot of people, <laughs> certainly my kids, but Disney has a cachet. And Epcot Center, the Science Center, uh, it's, it's, it's a neat place to go. And they do have a lot of nice stuff there. But it's a, it's a tourist thing. It's not like every day. They, they still have the same, wow, look at the world tomorrow. Well, the world tomorrow you see down there is the same world of tomorrow they had 20 years ago. You know, really not much has changed uh, versus maybe uh, Jock Fresco's um, Venus Project in Florida, uh, where he's, you know, more active uh, in uh, that whole area, but or was active. I, I think he's still around. Um, so the idea with the uh, pavilion is to, is to make it stunning, like Epcot, <coughs> have a science center that presents the latest and greatest, including all the things we're talking about that most people are not aware of, uh, and all of these tools that can help us in this increasingly toxic world, and to do it in a fun way. You know, I don't like doom and gloom. I want, I want to have fun. I want to be passionate. I want to be creative. I want to be surrounded by arts. I like to cook. I like good food. I like a good glass of wine. And so all of this Bring it. My idea is, look, you bring it under one roof, and you build community. You bring people together, uh, and you uh, also have. We also have health and wellness because, you know, the fact is, because our world has gotten so toxic from our cleaners, from everything else, and, and our electromagnetic environment, we need new kinds of health support. We need those bioresonance technologies. We need to detox, not from alcohol anymore. We need to detox from solvents and PCBs in our bodies. Uh, but we can do that in a, in, a, in a fun way. Look, when you're with people doing the same thing and you're in community and you've got a lot of good things going and you're in a super cool place that you can walk inside of, which will actually, because of the Egyptian connection to the pyramids and biogeometry, which we'll talk about, the building will support your health just by walking in. You don't even have to go to the gym, but I think the gym would be a good idea. Um, you know, all fitness is good. So uh, um, let's see. So where Talk a little bit about that biogeometry. I think that's going to be very interesting to our listeners. Okay. Um, and also I, I want to uh, mention that a lot of the, uh, the work I've done in um, other areas has, has brought me to technology. You know, it's all technologies and things that are out there. So I've seen it, um, on our world, I, I see glimpses of it from others in some of the documentaries and things I put together. So uh, the biogeometry, uh, interesting story. Um, years ago, when I was trying to come up with a design for the pavilion, I mean, look, I'm in the, the television business. We, we call it our films. I, I need eye, we need eye candy. I mean, you've got to sell something. It's got to be sexy. It's got to be cool. And I just wanted to put some, a face to the concept. And I was really having trouble, having trouble doing that. I, I just couldn't decide on what something would look like. Uh, I looked at dome, dome buildings, different structures. But I kept coming back to the pyramid. Uh, maybe because it's so embedded in our culture. We are, you know, our culture does, uh, is built upon the ancient Egyptian culture through Greece and up to today. And I was looking at, um, finally, I think uh, my 
fiance was so uh, my my sweetheart Alexi was getting so annoyed. She said, "Look, I'll draw something, okay?" Because she's an architect also. So she she drew uh, like a pyramid design, which looked pretty cool. And I played with that. I gave it to a graphic artist and put it into my document. Had something online on LinkedIn or somewhere, and I got a message from somebody that said, "Be careful." You're going to get, uh, you don't want to get vertical negative green coming up into this design. You'll hurt people. And I had no idea what vertical negative green was. I'd never heard of that. So I, I wrote back. I said, what, what the heck is this? And she said, oh, well, you need to learn. You need to know about biogeometry and this guy, Dr. Ibrahim Karim in, uh, uh, in Egypt. So I, you know, I looked him up online. And uh, I got his book, Back to a Future uh, for Mankind, and I read it, and um, I've, I mean, it was another one of those, oh, my God, this guy has figured out, like, huge missing pieces of our world, our science, whatever it is. I was so impressed, actually. I, they were teaching at, um, at the time the Vesica Institute in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, was doing regular classes on biogeometry. Dr. Robert Gilbert, who was great, was teaching it. Uh, also, Dr. Kareem would come into Asheville. And I literally, uh, a, a, like a few weeks later, I was able to get into the uh, basic and then the advanced course, signed up, went down there, and it was the most amazing class, uh, classroom experience I've ever had. Imagine sitting in a class, and there were, there were some doctors, there were architects, there were, you know, lay people, just, it was, it was a real mix. But every, I swear, every half hour, uh, every hour, there would be a collective gasp as everyone said, you know, everyone was go, saying, holy mackerel, this is incredible. We just kept learning new things that tied, like, history together and science. And anyway, I highly recommend it. Um, so but what is bottom, negative green? Okay, so the, the bottom line is the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians had a very highly developed science um, with radiesthesia and other, other pieces to it. It was really a, 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 made of multiple components. Well, in the mid-20th century, 1900s, a group of scientists in France recognized this and they started uh, picking up on the Egyptian sciences to develop it and bring it to the 20th century so, uh, and expand our energy spectrum. Because what the, uh, essentially what the Egyptian sciences are, what they teach um, are a quantitative science, which is what we have today, uh, and a qualitative science, which is um, what gives us the ability to measure the qualities of everything. And what's the most important quality? If something is good for us or bad for us, is it going to help us or harm us? Well, biogeometry or the Egyptian sciences were able to test for that, like, like muscle testing or kinesiology, right? We can go in, is this supplement good? Is this going to help or dowsing of some sort? What was different about it is the Egyptians could not only test for this, and I'll get to, back to vertical negative green in a second. The Egyptians could not, not only test for it, 
they could they had ways to transmute transmute the energy, uh, different tools, uh, easy to do, and very effective. So this is what we're being taught now. So the French identified this negative green as a very strong force on on par with X-rays. It could penetrate lead, um, and it. It actually was the energy quality that was directly opposite green on the compass or the energy spectrum scale. So if you're looking at a like a wheel with green on top, north, because green is, is associated with north, at the bottom, south is going to be right in the middle, is going to be this negative green. And the negative green has two components. It's got a vertical negative component and a horizontal component. The vertical is associated with electric and the horizontal with magnetic. And it's kind of similar to our uh, electromagnetic spectrum. Magnetic is uh, safe for us. Electric is not. I mean, it it can be harmful. So you want to stay away from the vertical or electric negative green, but that horizontal component is actually a spiritual carrier wave. Very interesting. And I'll explain how that's used if we can get to that. So, the Egyptians um, were teaching all of this. And in fact, the father of modern math and science, Pythagoras, went to Egypt to study. I mean, he studied there. I don't know if people know that. But he studied in Egypt for some 20, uh, 20 years and then came back to teach this science in uh, Greece. These two parts, the qualitative and the quantitative. And I'll, I'll show it another way, and maybe I'm jumping ahead. But the, um, the qualitative is <clears> – <throat> well, let me go back to negative green for a second. The pyramid, what she was talking about, uh, naturally a pyramid shape or a dome shape attracts this negative green, which has the vertical negative green in it. So if you don't filter it out, if I didn't know anything better, I could put, let's say, a regular pyramid up um, – and it would hurt people. I mean, it's kind of where this whole science of feng shui, you've got some harmful uh, earth energies or universal energies that come out and, and do some damage. So if you look at, and you, uh, maybe the first question is, well, why did this happen in Egypt? Because they know how to correct, make slight geometric adjustments in the pyramids so it eliminates that vertical components of negative green. If you actually look at the pyramids, all of them, the sides are not straight across. There's a slight, like a half degree indentation on each side. So it's a little concave. And that variation is exactly what's needed to get rid of the harmful component of negative green. And then what's left is this spiritual negative green quality that comes up into, uh, into the pyramid. Very cool. So with this knowledge, Dr. Kareem, anyway, Dr. Kareem later, he um, studied this and actually took all of the French work to the next level and has created his own, like, uh, specialized science of this Egyptian, or this whole body of Egyptian science, and he calls it biogeometry. Um, this was... All of these things I'm telling you, this science was originally known by all of the secret societies. I guess the Templars, the Masons, 
the Jesuits used it. Actually, there were Jesuit books that were written, which to, uh, I think actually helped get the French scientists interested in this because the Jesuits would use this, um, this, uh, these harmonics, this Egyptian science, to when they went into a new country. Because first of all, you don't know if you can drink the water. You don't know if you can eat the foods. Any of these things might hurt you or poison you or kill you. Um, and you also want to be able to help people. If, you want to, if you're going to meet with a tribal leader, for example, you need some powers at your disposal. And I mean power in the sense that it's, this science enables us to connect with the forces of nature. Dr. Kareem says to speak the language of nature. And when you can do that, you can perform miracles, but they're not really miracles. We're just working with the energies around us. So um, the Jesuits would go in and with this and biogeometry, and I've been able to do the same thing. I can correct harmful foods. I can uh, take the poison out of something. I can correct an illness or a blockage in, in my body or someone else's if, you know, you can track it down and make the pain go away or fix a dental problem, whatever it is. Uh, so it's very exciting. That, and then that's where, uh, so that's kind of the background of biogeometry. Um, I have a question that makes me think of that um, uh, hotel casino in Las Vegas called the Luxor. They probably didn't build it to these specifications, did they? You know what? That's a great question. Um, If they had some, uh, probably not, because it's a hotel. It's not housing, um, let's say, some of the world's elite. Uh, Or or if somebody is living there, uh, you know, maybe the top floor does have some people in the know, shall we say. Maybe they have made some corrections on it. I don't think they did. I was there when they built it, and I just don't Uh think they built it right. They've had a lot of disasters, a lot of people Uh get sick. A lot of things happen out of the Luxor, so that's why I said they probably didn't build it right. Got it. So I want to – something interesting, and I think this is – speaking of movies, um, this would be a a great movie script probably because we've talked about in the past, I know you and I, about suppressed science and rife machines, right? Right. Um, a lot of the things that are out there, certainly cancer cures and, and whatnot. Um, but this was like, when I discovered this, it was the mother load of suppressed technologies or science. It's not just that a technology was suppressed. It was that a whole, like half of science got hidden from us. And I, I was just, I flipped out. So give you an example. So Pythagoras, again, our father, the father of science, modern science and math, studied in Egypt. He comes back to teach both sides of this, both parts of this, the quantitative and the qualitative. So we have a holistic body of science to grow our civilization with. Well, somebody in Greece, the, the authorities, and I can't tell you who they were, but we can guess, approach him and say, look, you're not allowed to teach the qualitative science. You can only teach the quantitative, which is unbalanced. And, in fact, one of his students started talking about it, and they killed him. So, obviously, Pythagoras shut up. You know, he didn't want to lose his life. 
and there's more stories related to that you can you can find out in like memoirs and things. But um, so our civilization has grown up with a science that the, the brotherhoods and secret societies have used all along or known about, uh, uh, which were we'll say universal harmonics, but we haven't. So all we have, what we see around us, and hey, modern science is great, but it would be twice as great if we could connect with nature, if we knew if this was good or bad for us. Oh, this is causing some harm or harm to the environment or to the whales. We could just tweak it, change the amplitude of that transmission. It's going to give them life support rather than, you know, hurting. Anyway, so um, that's how our civilization has grown up. And when I found out about this, it was like, oh, my God. I've been living in a house like imagine living in, uh, you know, your home for 20 years and then you find out there's a whole nother wing you didn't know was there or, or another, <laughs> another floor above you. Where'd this come from? Right? So that's why hey, I'm super excited because it's out in the open now and people are this, this information, this knowledge is available and the, the quicker we can get it to people, the, the, the better. Um, and it's, it's cheap. I mean, it's free. Some of this, requires nothing to do. Uh, and let me see. So uh, just skipping over my notes. Um, oh, the other part of this was just really interesting. And it's, I really just, just kind of I got it, uh, it more recently. Our, the whole pitch with Einstein, who was brilliant, and a lot of our scientists or, or our classical physics is that the speed of light is the limit, you know, the, the reality limit. Um, you can't go faster than the speed of light. Nothing makes sense. Well, this science, that's exactly correct. For the quantitative half of that science, it's all designed to be up to the speed of light, you know, like zero to the speed of light. And that's what the quantitative science, our electromagnetic physical 3D reality is based on. Now, the rest of the universe, we start at the speed of light and we go up from there. And that's what qualitative science is based on. It's all the, all the energies in those spectrums faster than the speed of light. Together, they comprise the whole. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> See? Yeah. That makes sense? Absolutely. Speed of, I mean, our emotions, thoughts, the, the speed of thought. I mean, that, that's all... It's it's beyond it's way beyond the speed of light, you know, instant, just about. I guess maybe it is instantaneous anywhere in the galaxy. So all of these things put together make a whole system, and we've grown up without that. We've grown up with the explosive. We've grown up with the masculine. We've grown up with, uh, with a har- You know, I mean, a harmful. Uh, I mean, it's great, but it's harmful in many ways. Harmful to the planet. Harmful to us. And this other side, um, in some respects, is a, a feminine science. It's the nurturing part. It's the, it's the quality part, the feeling part. Um, and it needs to be part of it, just like, you know, we all have to have feminine, masculine integrated. So it's very exciting. And, yeah, I don't know where I was, but the pavilion will help pull this together. Um, just to give you a real quick example of the power of this, too, Alexi and I, in the kitchen, we keep a, a, a pendulum, but it's a, um, a sphere. All you need is a sphere pendulum. 
to use this for this particular type of dowsing. And it's not mental dowsing. This is actually called using shape-caused waves. It's a part of physics. They have all kinds of tools. But this is a real simple one. And it's easy to check. And, and it's really uh, any of the gr- any groceries we get, if we ever have a question, or we need to correct it. Oh, shoot, honey, look, this asparagus. I mean, it is a little depressing when you get some fresh asparagus, for example, uh, and it's like at muscle tests or with biogeometry, it shows that it actually weakens your system. You know, this is not good to eat, like GMO corn wood or like other stuff. Without these tools, we have no idea generally. So we use it. We just keep one in the kitchen. It's quick. It's easy to do. And we can also correct things, like sometimes you're out in a restaurant. You can't help it. You're with people or you, you need to eat something. You can transmute the energy and, and take care of it. It'd be better if all our food was organic and divinely inspired and filled with, you know, great energy, but it's not the case today, so we have to do the best we can. Um, she had, there, uh, I guess I'm, I'm starting it off, but a little uh, infection, uh, a woman's thing a couple of weeks ago, and before going to the doctor, I said, look, why don't we take out the anatomy chart We'll take out our, some of these tools. Let's see if we can find where the blockage is and correct it. I did that. It took, took 10 minutes. She went off to work, and the problem never came back. I mean, it's like it could be that effective. Not all, I mean, not always, but it's, it's really a great, great tool to have. That's super. But get back to the, to the design yeah. of how you decided to make it a pyramid. Um. Well, how did I decide? Uh, well, you, knew, it, you, you knew that you had to not have negative green, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to build a space that was going to support support people's health, support people's mental health, emotional. I mean, well, er- everything about our well-being, not just health. The World Health Organization definition of health is actually includes mental, social well-being. Um, And I wanted a striking design. I wanted something that was, I felt really deeply embedded in our psyche. And now I studied with Dr. Kareem. I filmed him. I've got some great YouTube videos on my channel, a couple of great lectures by him. He's a very humble and wise, funny man. He's wonderful. Um, I recommend, you know, uh, people watch them. Get it, if you get a chance, they're great. Helps bring this up. He's on my board, the pavilion board also as well, and he has offered to help um, design these pavilions uh, when we're funded and we start building them so they are all of the highest energy. And they've measured some they, – he's built some uh, structures, co- condominiums, and, I mean, they don't all look like pyramids, just regular homes. But everything, working with the earth lines, working with the – energies of the, the magnetic energies of our planet and so forth, the, uh, and, the, and the actual angles of the building inside and uh, materials, you can have an energy vibration that is super high. I mean, you'll feel like you're, like you're walking into a cathedral or the Great Pyramid. And it, it increases the coherence of our, our own energy systems which is going to help, you know, improve well-being. 
Um, so I'm really excited about that. And one of my other friends um, that Spirit brought into my world, Bill Brown, I called him Mr. Pyramid. I actually knew him before I knew Dr. Kareem. Um, I had asked him, he, he got involved, and his, it's his design on the website right now, on our Pavilion Center website. Um, he's also very gifted in this area, and uh, so he's going to, I've been working with him, uh, not just for the pavilion, but also for uh, housing design, uh, just to be able to start putting together uh, structures that have that energy quality um, that we can turn in for residences, for uh, health practices, for B&Bs, whatever it might be. So that's a whole kind of different area we're, we're working on. That, that website is paviliansmartliving.com. And uh, you'll see Bill's work there. I'm, I'm uh, involved with that as well. But it's re- very exciting, very cool stuff. You know what just came to me, Jim, is you being there in Washington, D.C., a lot of diplomats and a lot of people will come from all over the world and they'll see this and they'll want it and they'll take it back home with them. Exactly. Um, it's really funny. You know, I had my, uh, I, I, uh, there's an astrologer, astrologer here. Yeah. Uh, who's very good. Uh, Brendan Feely, I think it, 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 he is. And um, a few years back I was talking to him and I said, <clears throat> Hey, do you think, uh, does your astrology show any good areas to actually build a pavilion? And he said, yeah, we could figure that out. And he pulled something up and he looks at the map and I hear him kind of say to himself, wow. And I said, what, what, what happened? What's wrong? And he like turns his computer around and he says, you see, this is the Venus line, which is, I guess, where I'm best suited to put a pavilion. Or the, or the pavilion is best suited to be, and it ran right through Washington, <laughs> where, we, where we were sitting. And that was always my idea, to put something here because of the vibration, the embassies, to bring people in, to showcase this, and then get this into other, other countries, put these around the world, have kind of our own network of uh, maybe like they had the pyramids in the old days, you know, around the world, but this is now the 21st century. What can we do? To maybe it's just our time to do the same thing with different technologies and, and uh, at a different time. So, yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, the, the other thing I wanted to say, Dr. Kareem, they've measured the, like there's a house in Montreal they finished recently um, that is beautifully, totally biometrically designed, uh, biogeometrically designed. And it affects the area like 10, almost 10 miles away from it, they can measure that quality. Everything is uplifted. So imagine we put something uh, like that here in Washington, maybe a few of them. I'm that close to the Capitol and the Congress. Woo! Yeah, well, it needs some help about now I, for sure. I, I think so. Yeah, right. Exactly. Let's get it going. Yeah, exactly. And that's the idea. Very exciting. I'd like to shift our conversation to bioresonance. I think that's something that everyone's going to want to know about is bioresonance. Okay. Everything in our world vibrates. I think we learned that in high school chemistry or physics. Um, 
the Brownian effect, so forth, Brownian motion. Uh, it's a way that on, on multiple levels we connect with things. That's back to the observer effect we talked about. And everything has a resonant signature or a resonant vibration, a vibratory rate. So you can, and I, know, uh, I think we're all familiar with this now, uh, well, the simple fact is if you have a tuning fork to the tune to C and you bang it and you have a piano string in the room, and, well, a lot, of, a lot of strings, but the C string is going to vibrate or another tuning fork matched to C will vibrate when you hit it. That's the resonance effect. So if you have something programmed with the resonant frequency of, let's say, um, uh, the Epstein-Barr virus or variations of that, you can actually put that out. And what we're doing now with bioresonance technology, we're putting that out in a scalar wave or a transverse wave and measuring in people if there's any reactivity. So if, if you have a lot of Epstein-Barr viruses, uh, similar or similar enough, the device will come back and say, like, bing, I'm resonating with it, and it'll come up with some number. If it's, so we first set, a, with this particular device I'm very excited about, um, we first set a number, and uh, there's a baseline calibration with people, and then you do this test. And it puts out like 11,000 items from molds and yeasts and um, vitamins and minerals Emotions even, because we're talking all of these have frequencies. They have vibrations. You can put in anger, depression, obs- you know, obsessiveness, compulsion, uh, addiction. Um, and also the toxins we're talking about around us. I've got in this particular device I, I work with, and we're going to work with at the pavilion, um, electromagnetic fields come up. You can actually look at specific ones for exposure. Cell phone exposure, it'll show up how much. And I, I, I had a client today. I said, look, you're, you know, are you using your cell phone a lot? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I am. Way too much. And it, it's, on the, it, it's on the report. Um, other things include mercury, which is in our environment, cadmium, lead, nickel. We're getting a lot of these. Food additives, uh, artificial sweeteners, colorings, and the list goes on. So we know about that. The great thing is we now have a tool. I mean, I've never heard of a doctor, and certainly in all my physical exams, nobody ever said, let's check to see if your cell phone's affecting you. You know, let's, let's, <laughs> look, at your, let's look at your lead and mercury load or food additives. I don't think so. But now I'm doing scans for this medical practice, and just as a support technology, giving the reports to the doctors, and it gives them more information where they can then sit down and talk with their patients or whoever the practitioner is, talk with the client or patient and say, let's look at what's in your environment. Maybe, you know, this is showing up. We can do blood tests if you want to get really specific. We can do, do nutritional tests because I'm seeing this as a pattern. Maybe um, we should look at that. So it gives a, an additional tool to people. And it also in um, – in, in my case, or the pavilion, or depending on bio, who, which biofeedback device and practitioners you work with, it actually can correct these aberrant energies. 
Um, you can like the, uh, the, the Zapper, Helga Clark, you know, they've got some of these devices. Or this has right frequencies built into it. So there's a lot of capability to work with people, especially when it's dealing with psychological stuff. Uh, funny story. So I sat down uh, a while back when I was looking at this and starting to work with the company. Um, and I was excited to, because it was my vision to bring this into the pavilion. So everyone had access to it. If you're a member, you come in, part of your monthly, you know, get tested, go to the gym, whatever you're doing. Uh, <laughs> go to the wine bar, it doesn't matter. Um, and the, uh, the device can be used. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Okay, so um, this kind of biofeedback. You were talking enables- about the guy. You were saying that you had a guy. Yeah, okay, thank you. No, go back. Okay, so I was getting, I was. I said, test me. I want to see how this works. Because sometimes, yeah, I go off on a lot of these tangents. I said, yeah, let's all, yeah, you've got to test me so I know what this thing does. And she said, do you want to, it goes through a couple of panels, different programs in the, in the software, and, and asked me, do you want to see your psychological profile? Should we pull it up? I said, sure. And she looks at it and goes, huh, looks like you've got some, uh, you know, uh, denial is high, uh, obsessive is kind of high, <laughs> addictive is kind of high. I'm like thinking, oh, shoot. No, you know, I was laughing, but, yeah, I said, wow. So that's kind of a reality check, but, yeah, I guess that could be me. Or at the time, you know, we all go through different things. But uh, it was funny. I got back. I asked my brother, am I, like, compulsive? And he said, oh, my God, yeah, you are. You're like, or obsessive. You're obsessive. You're obsessed with stuff. But, hey, maybe it's been good for getting things done. Anyway, but it's a, it's a remarkable, remarkable device because um, it can really help balance things. That's all about balance, coming back to the center, um, balancing our, restoring balance to our, our society and each of us through this whole, whole science now we have access to. This is part of it. Because this works with things that are, again, faster than the speed of light, these vibrations of quality. Um, And then you can accelerate your healing by using physical means, Um, detoxing, detox IVs, by taking supplements, eating cilantro or chlorella. Anyway, that, that brings in, again, both sides of our energy spectrum and supports a quicker healing or quicker and by healing I'm saying restoring balance coming back to that center point resiliency homeostasis right yep well I am so thrilled that you're doing this and after knowing you all these years I can see now that the time that you took to go investigate different things now you're pulling them all together so my next question to you is, <laughs> yes, how can away. our listeners help you move this forward? What do you need now? I know you need money. I know that you need uh, the right people to come in. So just talk to us and tell us what you need. And maybe you need to do a GoFund site. You know, I try to go for, I have an Indigo page, uh, um, which I got great feedback from. People loved it, but it didn't raise much money. And that's okay because I'm – you know, I was never about raising money in the be- beginning of this. We have a business plan. Actually, I have a fee- the team I have on this project is incredible. Um, 
If do I have time to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, we do. Oh, okay. So um, it was more important to me to get the concept right, to get the right technologies, the right people, the right ideas together to make this to make this work, and to bring in the people. Um, I knew it. You know, coming from the business world, it needs to be uh, profitable. There is a nonprofit science center component, and that's fine. That's actually good. But um, I've got a, a very good business team, a legal team, operational team on board. Just a quick idea. My uh, uh, partner for health, club, spa, wellness, operations management uh, on my board is Gary Henkel, Henkin, and he is a... Um, He's the CEO of WTS International. That is one of the leading health club, health resort, spa management companies in the world. They're in 30 countries, and uh, their expertise is phenomenal, and they love the project. I've got uh, Jim Turner on the legal side. Jim is a, and Betsy uh, Lairfield, health activists, very involved in that. He's a, a Washington lawyer, Capitol Hill very uh, uh, familiar with, uh, works a lot with the FDA and uh, on devices and so on. Jim is actually the guy, uh, really one of the key people that got ac- legalized acupuncture in this country. Um, and he also was a key person to get the organic, National Organic Standards Act passed in this country. And I'm so excited that he's on the team. He's now a great friend. He's like the emeritus guy you know i mean he's been around he's been through the the war so to speak and he's still doing his uh great work um dr kareem of course the whole biogeometry science which we're going to teach in pavilions uh not just build it but we'll teach people if they want to learn we'll have the tools we'll have the classes among also cooking classes and art classes and all kinds of cool things you can take um the restaurants the the health support uh, TED Talks every week. That's what TED, TED Light Talks every week. I'm actually putting on a Pavilion Smart Living series in some restaurants here in Washington. So that's coming up. I'm very excited. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and I've got a great medical partner. This guy is one of the pioneers in integrative medicine in the United States. He was president, Dr. McClure was president of Capital uh, Integrative Health University. He works with all the top docs. And uh, to, together, that's why I've been, I've been helping him to develop this American New Medicine concept with better ways to assess and support people's health, uh, because that's what we need to do. And we're really looking forward to creating our own health insurance um, to get people outside of the, the model, because right now health insurance won't pay for most of the things we're doing. So we're developing a whole new system. Um, what do I need right now? I don't know. I, I think support is great. Uh, now the word is starting to get out. We're looking for about a million and a half dollars to essentially build the, the showroom to start bringing the developers in, embassy people. So it would be like a mini science center showcase. Uh, also our corporate infrastructure to develop the mechanism and get a few people on staff to actually, you know, work with me to move this forward and with, with some of our board members. Um, start putting out papers, start teaching classes, getting stuff online. So that's the whole idea. I also want to start, uh, if, if any of your listeners or people are interested, 
Um, the Skio, actually now the Eductor is probably the, the next generation device, made by the same company. A lot of people in the States, well, not a lot, but they, they have been around in the United States for 25 years, actually. But the distributors, the North American distributors, went bankrupt, I think, five or six years ago. Uh, Jim uh, Turner, our, uh, my friend, our attorney, got involved in the, uh, I guess, getting the bankruptcy and getting the company back on its feet, which is why I got involved serendip- serendipitously with this amazing technology. And I see it as, a, as an educational tool now, and a whole new profession for people. And that's what I'm helping to develop. So you might have people out there that are nurses uh, or health practitioners or people that want to get into the health field but don't really have the background. Um, by getting one of these, and, and it could be on a lease, you know, a financing, so it's whatever it is, three, $400 a month. Once you get up to speed, I mean, they have in Europe, people are backed up for months uh, with appointments. And you could do, it's a very nice way to uh, earn an income and help people and teach people. So I'm re- I want to see a force, you know, a whole new practitioner area develop with this. And there are other devices. I mean, it's not just this one, but I'm familiar with this. I'm helping to get it out there and, uh, and teach. So uh, that's, that's another area. Um, so let me yeah. ask you, Jim, are, are yeah. you still going to have the MRS 2000 in, in this? We will have that device or something like that. Yeah, actually, because I still use it. We still like pulsed electromagnetic field therapy is a great tool to energize you. Um, and with the uh, goggles, and the, there's a bunch of things. There are actually a few of them out there, as you probably know. So we would have that. We'd have some cold lasers. We would have different tools that, uh, as a member, you could go in and use just like you're walking into the gym and just support your health on a regular basis. You know, infrared saunas instead of the regular saunas, all of these things are just part of the, would be the new normal. (laughs) The new normal. The new normal. (laughs) I haven't heard that in a while. (laughs) Well, I am so proud of you that you have done what you've done already, and I want to be able to be part of your team whenever I can help you in any way. I wanted you to come on the show so that you could thank you. Thank this you. to all of our listeners because we have a lot of star seeds that listen to us all over the world. So you may be getting some uh, emails from people from different parts of the world after they hear this show. Uh, so, that, but at this time, I'd like to um, I'd like to uh, pass you over to my co-host Ariel, and uh, we have people that may be wanting to come on the air and talk to you. So, okay. would you be available Before- for a few questions? Yeah, yeah. One question before you go: We're gonna, we're still gonna produce that IMAX film. I hope and so. We I are. Hope. We put a lot of time be, and energy into that, and I really that. think it, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing that that we can uh, add to the other things that we're doing. But exactly. I'm glad to see that you haven't given up on it. Oh no, no. It's going to be the marketing rollout for the pavilion because we're going to use the pavilion uh, as part of the studio to shoot from. Oh, yep. good. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much for for being on tonight, and um, I want you to um, uh, stay in touch with me. I mean, we haven't talked for some time because we've been in different directions, but I want us to come back in and and kind of be super glued back-to-back so that we can help one another, okay? Oh, I'd love to. That'd be great. Okay, Arielle, you there? Okay. 
Yes, I am. Okay, I'll talk to you later, Jim. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. All right, well, this is wonderful, Jim. I'm so glad to hear that um, that you're doing this. You've got a lot of it already figured out. I love your vision with this. And um, would you please say your the, the website for, is it the PavilionSmartDesign.com? Uh, no, actually, the the basic pavilion the pavilion center website um and it's got links to videos and things which uh actually we're going to just be updating but it's still okay it's still good it's at uh the pavilion center.com the pavilion right the pavilion center.com and pavilion has one l not two cool that is so cool well, at this time, I would like to offer, if anyone is um, already on the switchboard and have been listening and have a question for Jim, then you'll need to press 1 on your keypad so we know you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on your computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then, once you're in, press 1. Um, so... While we're waiting to see if anyone has a question, you covered an awful yeah. lot of ground, and that's, I mean, that's uh, yeah, where we started I know. off. Almost, yeah. I was laughing. It probably needed a commercial between some of my sound bites. We're going to pause for a minute. Well, yeah. Well, but. that is, I mean, that is wonderful, and I think that um, um, you certainly need to put some geese crystals in that project uh, somewhere, and yeah. you, can get with yeah. Lavin- you can get with Lavendor for that. When I was in Egypt, uh, I was filming with Bill Brown's work, and he uncovered a lot of treasures in Egypt. Um, uh, Dr. Hawass uh, gave him, like, front-end loaders in one case. He and his wife, who was an intuitive from Poland, to just un, un, unearth stuff. Like, it was unbelievable. But I went with him, and he knew what was behind doors that he had never been inside of before. For some reason, uh, it was phenomenal. Wow! Wow! So it's kind so of cool. I, yeah, that is it is wonderful, and we're just—I mean—we're just scratching the surface of our own potential. And there are, yeah. you know, leading-edge visionaries like you that are helping people to, you know, grab a shovel and dig down, and uh, you know, like you said, that you know, see that other wing of the house that you never knew about before. Uh, you know, star seeds are a little ahead of the curve, I think. But yes, um, it, well, two, I just... can talk if uh, I can. I've got two things I, I can add quickly if no one's on the line yet. Not yet. Go ahead. Okay. Um, re- regarding the earlier talk about uh, what's going on with the uh, galaxy and the, our, our weather and everything else, uh, there's an interesting wild card I'd love to write about, talk about, which is that. For the first time, we're passing through what's known as, maybe you talked about this, the dark or great rift, which snakes along the galactic equator. And it's a unique region of space, according to the Mayans and maybe some ET stuff in the past, uh, having uh, unusual gravity waves and ideal, they, they say, for spiritual rebirth and growth, um, certainly accelerating life, which we're experiencing. Well, that's one thing. The other is that NASA said we're, uh, along with uh, the French Space Agency, we're passing through this region. Uh, it's got this plasma cloud 
they actually gave it a name called fluff. It's some anomaly uh, that we're now inside of. And they said they've ne- never seen it before. The whole cosmic radiation uh, that's coming off of this, that's right, immersing us, um, is, is so unusual. They don't know what to make of it. They have no answers. Um, and they said, you know, there are going to be some changes because of this. We don't know if it's DNA, what's going to happen. But I think part of what's going to happen all depends on what that intention is that we put in our minds. So my counseling to myself and everybody else is put those positive thoughts out there, picture where you want to go, where you want to move to, and this is the best time to do it. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, intention is everything, and we are all creating every single day some yeah. deliberate and some by default. So, yeah, I mean, we talk about this with a lot of uh, other guests about the yeah, the law yeah, of attraction yeah. and you know and putting exactly. your intent out there. But you've taken it to another yeah. level, where that intent can actually be um, captured, transported, and used over and over again. Um, that's yeah, that just blows my mind. Thank you, and we'll we'll use this. I mean, literally, it would be great to have communities be able to kind of get together and start doing these things. I think what we could accomplish would be is phenomenal. Well, there's no limit. There's no limit. There really isn't. There is no limit. And, and once people become aware of that and start seeing what they can do, and you know what? Until you actually see the science, and that's what this science center is about within the pavilion, it's going to bring all this uh, missing science to the forefront. And we're going to have stuff on there about potential extraterrestrial life and contact. We're going to be talking about new ways to look at death, extending human life and uh, uh, um, near-death experiences and reincarnation to give people to start so they can start to relax, open up and say, wow, maybe, maybe I'm, there's a good thing coming up. Maybe this is all good. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, uh... I was, just two, two, yeah. two days ago, I saw I saw a quote, and it really caught my eye because it has so many layers. It said, "Don't believe everything you think." <laughs> right, right. I love that. One. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought, well, boy, that's going to get some mileage around here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't believe everything you was, think because a lot of a lot of it is being spoon fed to us. Yeah. And, so you know, here's what you should think. Well, and it's coming out now, exactly. Uh huh. Crazy, yeah. But I, I was watching a, a documentary um, on Star Trek a while back, and they they had uh, William Shatner, you know, Kirk on there, mm-hmm. and they, he was asked, "Well, what do you think about death? You know, are you scared to die?" He's, he's getting up there in his years, and he said, "I'm terrified." And you know, I thought about it. I mean, I didn't think long. I thought, why is the guy terrified? In my experience, and. I have plenty of experience in this area in metaphysics and so on. You know, we should be, we should not be terrified of something which A, is so natural and part of our being and, and could, and I think it's a better place than where we are here in a lot of ways, but um, it's, it's sad that, that we we're at that point. So uh, it'd be nice to turn that around. You know, there's no reason people should be scared. But, but right, there have been reasons, right. I should say. You know, uh, let's well, make a heaven on earth instead of hell. Yeah. When the the, the facts about reincarnation, about reincarnation 
have been, have, wow, just an, wow, echo. just an echo. Do you hear that echo? Mm-mm. No, huh. not, oh, that's weird. Not here, 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 yeah. Well, we, you know, when people don't um, know about reincarnation, then yeah, I guess there would be some fear there because that information was withheld from us. But we have a caller that's ready to go, Jim. So okay. um, I'm going to um, open up the mic. You're going to be talking to Elaine. So let me get your mic open. Hi, Elaine. Thanks for calling. You're on the air with Jim Graypeck. Hi, Jim. Hi, Elaine. I was wondering if you were familiar with James Maskell and the Evolution of Medicine, his functional forum. I love his stuff. Yes, absolutely. And you're because thinking, he has a lot of. Yeah, you can. He has a lot of practitioners that are doing their own thing, and he said Western medicine can do what they want. They're not trying to change it. They're just going their own way. Yes, I'm actually, I want to bring a lot of his stuff into what we've developed. Um, I think there, uh, we, we have things to contribute to each other. And maybe we'll end up calling it functional medicine. Um, I don't know at this point. But yeah, I'm, I am familiar. I've read his book. I, I'm familiar with the forum. I was actually watching part of it last night through another practitioner. So thank you for bringing it up. I think he's doing great work. Uh, Yep. Well, thanks for everything you do. I know that on the 15th of January, uh, a woman that works out of New Zealand talked about the 22 galaxies in the center of the galaxy that are sending extra powerful beams this way, and that's why we had two really bright full moons at the end of the year. Yeah. So I don't know if that has to do with what you were talking with the Mayan, but... It's all this energy that we can put our intention around and just go forward. So, yeah, thank you probably. for all you do. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks for call, uh, calling. Thanks, Ariel. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling, Elaine. Good to hear your voice. Bye bye, sweetie. So, well, no, that was that was a that was a good comment, and that you know there are a lot of a lot of people that are um, waking up. But yes. we just have to get, we just have to get the numbers up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The function, one thing I, I like there's a um, as part of it is uh, I everything I think I mean in a sense everything is mind. You you can say psychological um, bioresonance or looking at stress because even the AMA National Institute of Health they say that stress is responsible for up to 90% of our health issues. And that's true. A lot, and, but stress, anything that, even joy can be stressful. Uh, a bacteria introduced into the organism can be stressful. So stress, in a sense, really encompasses everything, not only in the outside world coming into our body, but our, but our emotions, our beliefs, our programming, you know, and, and so on. So these to be able to look at that and, and acknowledge it, I think is really important. A lot of people don't really understand that. And to be able to educate them and say, wow, some past traumas or what's going on or how's your relationship. We've got to work with heal you on a, you know, let's get you back to balance on a psychological and emotional level, bring this stuff in. So I, I'm not sure that functional medicine goes 
as deep with some of that right now, but maybe it does. I, I, I could look more into it. Um, but the stress aspect of it, I, I like because if we just start from when we're young, this device is, is kind of approved to take care of stress before it becomes a disease. And as a, a quick example, I had a, I noticed a, I don't know, five months ago, I started getting a twitch in my thumb. It came and went over a period of a few weeks. It didn't really, I didn't pay too much attention to it. But then one day it stayed. All day my thumb had a little twitch in it. You could barely see it, but it was, it was annoying. And of course I start thinking about things. You know, maybe my dad had Parkinson's disease. So, oh, am I getting that? Is this the beginning of MS? What's going on? And I was concerned. And uh, then I thought it was one of those aha moments. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Let me go hook myself up and see what's going on. I did. I, uh, something came up that looked like a neuropathy that was related. I, had a, I worked on it with the skio. It went away. It never came back. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. I get it. So when you have something before it develops, this can take care of it. And that's right. a great thing. We should be starting to stay in health, not wait till we go to a doctor like we do now when we're not feeling good. Not just a physical, but like whether it's, you know, a bioenergetic device like this or Chinese medicine, they're very good with that, Ayurveda. I mean, people, we should be going like once a month to our health practitioner to help keep our health on track. You know, that old Chinese right. proverb, um, it says, like, the superior doctor doesn't treat illness. The mediocre doctor detects illness. The poor doctor treats illness. <laughs> so we want to, we want, they, they originally, the idea of Chinese medicine is keep people healthy so you don't, they don't get sick. And right. that's where I think, I'd like I, to see this there. I heard that it goes even farther than that, where you pay your doctor as long as you're healthy, and if you get sick, he doesn't get any money. Well, well that's true. <laughs> I think that's true, but it's, it's, it's a little bit. You pay him as long as, as you're healthy, but he's actually is doing, he or she actually is working well, yeah, with keeping you. Well, you're keeping your health. Yeah, you pay yeah, him to keep healthy. you healthy. Yes, yeah, and exactly. if you get sick, then he doesn't get he doesn't get maybe, paid. Anyway, so, maybe. Or maybe yeah, you go mean, to the, dead, the, the bad doctor to treat you. I don't know. Yeah. Right, right. Gosh, yeah. well, Jim, we're just about out of time. I, I, I say always it's a mark of a good guest when the when the time flies by, but um, I don't think we're going to have any other callers here because I don't see anyone <laughs> queued up. So uh, um, I want to thank you, congratulate you, commend you, um, and on behalf of everyone for the work that you're doing and the vision that you have. And certainly, um, let's just recap one more time. You say you have a YouTube channel. How do people find that? that uh, just on, uh, just type in my name, Jim, on YouTube, Jim Graypeck. J-I-M-G-R-A-P-E-K. Uh-huh. And um, com. Right. That's the pavilion and is, site. It, and is there contact information there if, if someone needs uh um, yeah, yeah, yep, it'll go to my email, um, and if not, it's jhgraypeck at thepaviliancenter.com. They can reach me. Okay. And also, and also the other website is 
PavilionSmartLiving.com. Okay, so great. Cool, cool stuff to look at. Yeah. Well, I encourage everyone to take a look at that, and if you have something to offer, um, <clears throat> get a hold of Jim and and see if you can make a contribution of any kind. And then we can, once you get that one up, then it can be replicated and taken everywhere. Yes, I'm hoping that we're going to actually just license these out around the world or country, whatever it is, so to get them up quickly. That's excellent, excellent. Well, Jim, thank you so much for spending your evening with us and uh, bringing us some, so much you. great information. Um, and do you do you have a practice where you use your bioresonance feedback machine um, in you know for people in that in the Washington area? Yes, I do actually. Well, I'm actually, were... well uh, the best way is just to email me. Okay. Because uh, I All see right. clients at home, and then I do see. At the practice, but that's another in Washington, but that's another and there's more hoops to jump through. Right. Okay. All right then. Well, thank you once again for the work that you do for being on the planet right now. And um when you have new in, new developments, come on back in and um keep us updated on what's going on. I sure will. To, I sure will. We want to do what we can to help you see this through even if it's just getting more people aware of it. I appreciate it. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up now. So, um, oh, I just noticed. (laughs) Sorry about that. Fiona, uh, one of our switchboard producers, has a comment. Go ahead, Fiona. Hi. uh, Oh, Mr. Graypack, I think you opened up a... Hi there. I think you've just opened up a whole other uh, wing of my house uh, with your uh, presentation here this evening. I think it is absolutely amazing what you're bringing forth. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a flight attendant. I, I do work on this radio show. I'm a star seed, and I'm also a nurse. And one oh, of the nice. primary reasons, yeah, one of the primary reasons I didn't continue on with nursing is because basically was lacking what you presented tonight. And I am so excited, and I, I so want to advocate for your creation of the pavilion. I think that's amazing. Um, I, I think you just explained it, but if someone wanted to uh, become involved with your bioresonance uh, feedback machine and uh, instructions and learning and how to train with that, they would go to your website and then contact you personally. Yeah, yeah, just contact me personally because I am I'm a distributor. I'm helping the company bring these back in and set up training programs and everything. So, uh yeah, definitely. Uh or okay. you can you do have you have my number, you can call me, but yeah, but just get in touch. Uh and okay. I I want to add something interesting since you mentioned you're a flight attendant if I got a second. Um Okay. Dr. Kareem just to give you an idea of the validity, the power of biogeometry or the science which there's a, I'm trying to think, on my YouTube page is a great video, and on my blogs on the website, uh, a 12-minute piece by a, a PhD, Dr. Robert Gilbert, the guy who's teaching it at Vesica, about biogeometry, which is a great summary, very powerful, showing the science and the lab experiments and the, the results behind it. It is, they are using it to grow plants in salt water without taking the salt out, and they're growing better than fresh water. And I wow. see that 
I'm like, wow, we could feed the world with the ocean water using this. This that's why they pushed it away. Well, we're going to get it back, and we're going to put it out there, and we're going to do everything. Um, and it, it's flight, wow, flight, just wow. It's wow. The <laughs> flight attendant thing is, um, I've got uh, pictures, or well, we've seen pictures of Dr. Queen. He's been he gets hired by world leaders to modify their private jets. We're talking like 747s or 720, whatever they are. Um, so that at, at 40,000 feet, you talk about radiation and everything, at 40,000 feet, it's just like you're inside a pyramid or a cathedral. They've taken snapshots using German technology of your aura, your field, totally coherent. It's like total peace. It's amazing. Wow. So. Well, I, I would like that for our passengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and when I get on planes, I can use biogeometry and we can talk about it to neutralize the space I'm in. So I kind of do that on every flight. Mm-hmm. You can do it and, uh, it, and it works. <laughs> wow. Just yeah. wow. Well, thank you for being on our show this evening. That's all I can say is wow. I'll be in touch. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Have a great you. night. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks, Fiona. Yep. So you know what, Jim? I think you're going to need to come back and just talk about that. <laughs> sure. Oh so, yeah, because that, that's like a that's a whole other subject that I know people are are hungry for. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, talk with Lavendar and, and uh, get on the schedule to come back. So okay. we are just about out of time here. So once again, thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure having you with us. Um, We will be back next week, everyone. And from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, thank you for listening, and remember to count your blessings every day. Good night, everyone. Good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 